welcome to our fourth episode of the ADHD and Me podcast. We've got a very interesting podcast episode for you today. We're going to be discussing the topic of do adults with ADHD need the ADHD label or the diagnosis? And joining me today, I have a good friend who um, has a bit of a different view to mine, but that's always good. It keeps things interesting. Uh, hi, Steph. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for joining me to discuss this uh, issue because I know Not a problem. Uh, there's going to be people, I think, on both sides of the fence about this. And this basically came from the fact we met up for a coffee and we were just having a general chat and I was telling you that I was setting up as a, C a CIC, a community interest company for ADHD and me, and we were talking around that. And uh, one of the things that came up was that uh, you think you've got ADHD potentially uh, but you're not interested in pursuing a diagnosis so so let's start at the beginning when did you kind of think that you possibly could have ADHD? Well my son has been kind of going through a referral on mm -hmm. and off since he was very young probably I think the first time we kind of tried was when he was in year two and got bounced back and everything and then we tried again when he was in year six so I know a lot about additional needs because I'm a teacher as well. And then I've got the personal kind of experience as well of additional needs from home. But it was actually a lady that I got speaking to on Facebook mm -hmm. who was misdiagnosed with BPD mm -hmm. um, and then finally diagnosed with AD female ADHD. Mm -hmm. And she was just sharing the way that it presents, which mm -hmm. obviously is very different to your typical kind of male ADHD has been boys and things like that and it was every single thing she posted it was like a aha moment and yeah. I was like this is I'm ticking every single box yeah so things like I would put a wash on and I would have to wash it three or four times because I get distracted and forget wow, about like it you're talking about me as well here <laughs> 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 and things like, uh, I mean, you know, my Facebook is infamous for burning pizza because I, I get distracted. I forget to put a timer on. So an air fryer to me has been revolutionary. And it's things like that. Oh, that I'm thinking of getting an air fryer. That's a bit off topic. But... <laughs> I, honestly, it's the best thing. It has literally changed my life in terms of food. Also, I overthink everything. I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. My mind goes 100 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt that that was my fault. Mm -hmm. if you see what I mean? That that's just, yeah. that, you know, that, that's how I am and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And I've had therapy through a car accident and a mm -hmm. lot of things came up about the fact that I don't think I'm good enough um, mm -hmm. and the, the evidence out there what's the evidence and I could could quite easily create evidence mm -hmm. um, which isn't evidence it's my interpretation of evidence yeah so all of these things kind of mm -hmm. re reasonably recently made me go do you know what actually I'm ticking more and more boxes, yeah. which makes sense because yeah. obviously my son is going through a referral for ADHD and mm -hmm. autism, going to be in the family. Mm -hmm. And actually it was like, okay, yes, it makes sense. Trying to get any diagnosis is a huge, you know, yeah. undertaking. I just want to pick up on a few different things you said there. Um, yeah. The first of all, the therapy that brought up a lot of stuff about self-blame and overthinking. That's really interesting you say, because I've had therapy. One of the things that came out of that, that I blame myself for a lot of stuff that's perhaps beyond my control. So I'm wondering if that's maybe an ADHD thing, because obviously I'm assuming with the overthinking, that could potentially lead to a lot of self-circling. A lot of us with ADHD, I think, 
especially the, the, the high functioning ADHD where it's, it's kind of like a deeper level of thinking I think we kind of reflect quite a lot would you say that's accurate for you absolutely I think that for me um and I, I think it's quite common especially in females uh-huh. is that we are incredibly self-critical yeah. and uh-huh. overanalyze everything we say and think yeah. and do and I think one of the big things which is I think a common trait with a lot of people with ADHD is that we talk a lot mm-hmm. and I know that I try to relate it to myself not mm-hmm. to take over but because that's yeah. my way of showing well, empathy yeah connect with people <laughs> yeah. yeah but the problem with that is that then mm-hmm. I find that when I then come away from it I'm then oh my goodness did I take over the conversation yes did exactly. I did I yeah you know that this wasn't about me this was about them when I was an education lecturer I I actually made friends with a counsellor's big shock at free therapy (laughs) (laughs) so I remember one of them pointing out to me and it wasn't said in a very negative way about me or you know any comment on me as an individual but um, one of them said you know when people say oh yeah I've been through something similar it's not helpful to people who've experienced that and I never got what they meant at all until I actually did some training through my foster names and I think it was it was about trauma and kind of how we like internalize things and and all that kind of stuff and it, it said that the, the better way to approach somebody is to talk about uh to, to, to basically say to them I understand how you're feeling what do you need from me right now Obviously, taking it slightly away from my personal experience of Mm -hmm. either me or my son. Yeah. I've taught for almost 23 years Mm -hmm. and I've done a lot of work with SEN. I've done a lot of work with children, you know, young children in terms of just Mm -hmm. having relationships with them in the classroom and and that kind of thing. And I do think there is definitely a place Mm -hmm. for using your own examples and your own life Mm -hmm. to help others to understand Mm -hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think it, there it's a, it's a just balance. a balance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A balance. Yeah. I mean, I, I was actually saying to my therapist today it, it, when telling him about a certain situation that the um, I'd rather have a teacher who not only has the knowledge but has lived it. Do you know what I mean? Who's going to know more? Yes. Somebody who who's read loads of books or somebody who's experienced that. And I always prefer experience, but maybe that's just because I've I've always struggled with the academic side. <laughs> <laughs> I know I think I think you're right I think that it's just a case of that we have to be careful that we don't take over the conversation as such I think that's definitely you know a a time and a place for Mm -hmm. I understand how you're feeling kind of thing but also I was thinking one of the things that I do in conversation I don't know if you do this I have because obviously with young kids that with ADHD they tend to interrupt quite a lot because their brain's going so fast and they want to share and I think as adults with ADHD, we tend to have an element of that, that we want to say what we've just thought of before we forget what we're going to say. Sometimes I'll be like, blah, 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 word vomit, because I actually don't want to forget what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. From my kind of point of view, because I'm a single mum, hmm. um, obviously, you know, you know how that, that is. Yeah. It's that you spend a lot of time without adults around you Mm. and so therefore when you do get to have those conversations with other adults 
I think yeah. you've got both the ADHD side of things, yeah. but also that kind of, oh my goodness, there's another adult. I need to just tell them everything. Well, one of the things I was going to say to you is um, I actually did a, a, a series like a while ago now. I think it was last year. It could have been the year before because, you know, life is one big blur. I did a series for my blog called The Late Bloomers of ADHD. And I actually talked to a lot of women like yourself who didn't realize they had ADHD until later on in life. Some of them chose to see, I mean, all of them, had, I think there was one who hadn't sought a diagnosis. Most of them had. One of the uh, stories was actually very, very interesting because it was about a woman who had been sent to prison and when she got out, she had a probation officer and it was her probation officer that led her on the journey to being diagnosed with ADHD. But the thing she'd got sent to prison for was being addicted to, or addicted and dealing um, speed. <laughs> Which oh, wow. is the medication used to treat ADHD. That's effectively what Ritalin is, what a lot of the medications for ADHD are a moderated form of speed, which is why it's a controlled drug. I found in terms of the education system in its current form and the way it has to be taught due to funding and the, the curriculum and everything kind of taking all the factors in, the best treatment for children with ADHD does tend to be medication. Yeah, um, I think it's it's a difficult one because... Mm. I mean, you know, obviously being a teacher myself, mm -hmm. I, I I think there are very, very few p teachers out there who don't want the best for their, you know, their, their classes and their children. And I think that there's much more understanding around ADHD. Mm. I think the issue is it's such a, you know, ADHD can show itself in so many forms mm -hmm. that we all can say, oh, you know, they've got uh, traits of ADHD and we we adapt our teaching mm -hmm. to support those children but obviously you've got lots of other children in the class at the same time mm -hmm. so it's about you're constantly as a mm -hmm. teacher adapting and having yeah. to you know you, you've obviously got a curriculum that you have to teach mm -hmm. but you're constantly adapting for all the different types of personalities the different mm -hmm. learning styles the attention levels the you know male and female the all sorts of different things and you've got additional needs and if a, if somebody if a child doesn't have a diagnosis mm -hmm. it does make it more difficult because everybody that I know personally would go out of their way to make sure that they treated that child not oh. as if they've got a, a diagnosis in terms of you know they're not going to treat them differently mm -hmm. if you see what I mean but they would make sure that they would adapt so, for example, child that shows traits of ADHD, you'd make sure that you would give them an extra couple of opportunities before you gave them a warning or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. the school policy. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there are that in, in the state system, mm -hmm. it is you, you follow, obviously, through the NHS. Um, obviously yeah. every, I think one of the biggest issues is that every area has mm -hmm. a different way of Mm -hmm. um, accessing support the, post, um, the postcode know, lottery well it's not even just postcode lottery I don't think I think it's the fact that every area is different mm -hmm. so for example I have a friend who's a teacher who has children who also have uh, you know most likely ADHD and they asked me about you know my experience and I'm talking about for example in Warrington the child development center mm -hmm. well that that doesn't exist in other places. So mm -hmm. there's no overall. What I would have expected was that like with the NHS in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, you, you need to see a specialist. You go through a certain list kind of thing mm -hmm. before you get to that person. 
And that's what I, my expectation mm-hmm. was going to be that, well, this is what you do. This is how you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think a lot of the problem is obviously funding. A lot of the problem yeah. is the fact there aren't enough staff who are yeah. experts. I also who can, try you know, to think of it. I also try to think of it from a child's point of view, because I think of myself as an adult, if I'm in a classroom environment now, and even as an adult in a classroom environment, I still struggle because my brain is going so fast. I am unmedicated. I have been since I was 17. So obviously my brain is going, you know, really fast, doing all these things. So one of the coping strategies I use of them in any kind of learning environment is I do um, cross-stitching, you know, to, to cope. You know, my hands are doing something and I've got something else to focus on so I can do two things at once because that, that's, a, that's a coping strategy that I have. And I say this mm. to say, I said that to say this, that a lot of teachers wouldn't allow that in a classroom. Obviously, I know cross-stitching is probably not a child-appropriate activity of sharp needle in the classroom. But, you know, there seems to be this very kind of linear idea that if a child isn't acting in a certain way, behaviour-wise, that they're not taking anything in. For a child who has ADHD, the world is a very big and scary place. And sometimes I, I'm not, I mean, I'm I'm not one to advocate for medication because I think it swings and roundabouts. I think it's a very individual choice for parents and also the person taking it. But I do think that when you're a child, it's so hard to cope, which is one of the reasons I said that medication seems to be the best form of treatment, because what that medication does is it slows the brain down enough to be able to operate at a normal level which means they're able to partake in the education system in its current format. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. You know, I, I definitely think the education system needs an overhaul, but whether we'll get that, I, I don't know. thing is that I think that it definitely depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends whether you're high-functioning with ADHD mm-hmm. as well, because, and also, yes, it does depend on who you have, uh, mm-hmm. as a teacher and you know but I do think that there's it's come a long way in terms yeah. of understanding and we do have you know resources for example things like fiddle toys obviously cross-stitching in a, in a lesson the problem with that is that, that the focus is on something completely different mm-hmm. and it takes quite a lot of focus now that may work for one individual mm-hmm. but it can you know take away from another so yeah. trying to find things Balance. that the yeah. balance. I mean, and also you don't have to have ADHD to be somebody who fiddles, for example. No. You know, there's a lot of children out there and a lot mm-hmm. of adults that might fiddle with pens and things like that. And that's just because they like to keep the hands busy yeah. rather than, you know, having an additional need. So it's something yeah, that I've done, right, for example. Yeah. I think it's very it's, different because I think obviously there are good teachers like yourselves and I'm, I'm not disputing there are many, many good teachers out there who who do want the best for I've never met a teacher who doesn't want the best for their students. Yeah. But sometimes the way they go about that, particularly, I don't want to kind of draw any stereotypes, but particularly older generation teachers. I've been in a staff room on a student placement at one point, and I've overheard a teacher say, oh, how's such a body getting on with their ADHD diagnosis? Only for another teacher to say, oh, well, I, we think he's going to get it, but you and I know it's just bad parenting, don't we? And it's the kind of stereotypes like that. I mean, obviously, I didn't know that individual case, so perhaps, you know, they have their own opinions on that. But I just don't think things like that are helpful when we're talking about ADHD, because there's already such a stigma of it being linked to bad parenting. 
No, and I agree. I think a lot of the problems as well is the fact that children can present very differently at school than mm -hmm. they do at home. You know, and that was one of the problems I had with Wynn trying to get him diagnosed is that school kept mm -hmm. telling me that he didn't present at, at, at school. And mm -hmm. my issue was, well, actually, from what you've told me in reports and parents' evenings and, you know, the end of the day and things like that, then actually he does. But I think that that is because there was a lack of understanding and awareness of mm -hmm. what ADHD can look like because it can be such yeah. a widespread yeah, uh, you know, and, and the hand aspect of it, I I didn't even realise I had until I was in a conversation with another parent, um, when they said, "Oh, yeah, my my child's not got high functioning ADHD," and I was like, "What does that mean? Like, there, you know, is there a high functioning low?" But actually, it's interesting you say that your child's being uh, well going through the diagnosis for ADHD and autism because the older I get, the more I become aware of my autistic tendencies. Now, I'm not saying I've got autism. That's not for me to decide. That for the professionals. But, uh, I mean, not that I'm pursuing an autism diagnosis, but it's just I, I become a lot more aware of um, some of the characteristics. Like, I, I do have OCD for certain things. You know, I like things done in a particular way. And the more I find out about it, the more I think, oh, maybe I was one of the people who was misdiagnosed and perhaps I have autism as well as ADHD. There is, you know, a definite overlap between ADHD and autism. And so therefore it's difficult, I suppose, to diagnose. And also autism is not just a case of, oh, you know, do you tick these boxes type thing? There's a lot mm -hmm. that goes into, yeah. into the diagnosis. So I think that it is very difficult, you know, for children who who are high functioning, I suppose, yeah. at the end of the day, we, we, we associate that with autism, but they are children who can conform and can, you know, actually, in a way, thrive better mm -hmm. in a school environment because yeah. it's very routine and, mm -hmm. you know, and there's a clear hierarchy, but then completely kind of, I used to call it like the volcano effect, that by the end of the day, they'd held themselves in such a way for such a long time that everything would come out and the world mm. would explode, you know, and then you would have this whole cycle that would come out yeah. at home. Mm -hmm. And I think that what there seems to be, now I don't know because I've not obviously been through the full referral process yet, mm. but having gone round it once and mm. jumped through every hoop known to man, including parenting courses, which when you're a qualified teacher who has mm. helped set up an SEN department, you kind of think, I'll do anything for my child to get the support. But you kind of think, crikey, you know, are we not mm. wasting time on things? The reason that that all came about was because it used to have to be that they presented the same at school and at home. Yeah. Whereas what seems to have happened nowadays is that there is this understanding, greater understanding, which will come with time, mm -hmm. that, that ch you know, children do not necessarily present the same yeah. at home and at school. Yeah. You know, that's a huge thing to think. But also, I think, it's worth saying we're not excusing every behavior as oh well, hang on a minute mm. have they got an additional need you know at the end of the day whether you've got adhd autism whether you have got a uh, mental illness whether you have got nothing what you know whatever it may be or not we all have our emotions we all have yeah. hormones we all yeah. have ups and downs we all have those times i just want to put two things to you really so I don't know if you watched I'm a Celeb recently. It was kind of hit and miss for me, but um, one of the contestants on there has ADHD and actually ended up winning the competition. 
but one, they were actually talking about their ADHD while they were in there. And one of the things they said that is they wish they'd have been diagnosed when they were a child because it would have changed how they felt about themselves, which, to be honest, was a bit interesting to me because I was diagnosed at 10 and I don't think it changed how I felt about myself because I didn't have an understanding of what ADHD is. I presented like a boy with ADHD, which I know sounds very stereotypical, but I was. I was very impulsive, very loud in the classroom, very disruptive. I wasn't academic. I was kind of average. I was your average Joe with uh, difficult behavior. And that's why my ADHD was picked up at such a young age. So it's interesting that you've said that. You, did you have any issues in school or? Um, I mean, I've got a bit of a background in that I'm partially deaf. So I spent a lot of time in hospital when I was younger. Ah, right. Um, and we moved house as well. So I didn't say boo to a goose. I literally right. said nothing to anybody. Yeah. So you were like but, very, yeah, very. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I was more of a traditional kind of, well, in terms of, you know, if, you, if you're trying to kind of female to male kind of traits. Mm. But I think the thing is, had I been diagnosed as a child, I don't think it would have made a difference purely mm. because I don't think that we really understood ADHD and things like that in the way that we do now I think out there in the world in society in people in general I'm not so sure there is because there's still a lot of stigma and ignorance but one of the things I wanted to say and coming back to what you've just said about we've got to be careful we don't go too much the other way what I'm seeing on LinkedIn and quite a few other places on social media are a lot of teenagers a lot of younger people who have certain symptoms and are basically diagnosing themselves with ADHD. They're not saying, I think I have it. They're not saying, oh, I, I think I, I'm going to seek a diagnosis. Basically, what they say is, I have ADHD. I have ADHD. You can't tell me otherwise. And I think we've got to be very careful because it's not that I'm invalidating what these people are saying. These people deserve to be heard. And obviously, I'm a big fan of advocating for the diagnosis, waiting times to be completely overhaul because they're not good enough but I think what that does is it takes ADHD from a genuine medical condition diagnosed from a doctor to a personality trait and I think that's because there's obviously a lot of us with ADHD who want to be taken seriously who obviously it's not because we want to be victims it's just we want people to know this is how our brain works differently but then we're getting you know people saying oh it's not a real condition and then we're saying well it is it's a medical diagnosis and then you've got other people who are just saying no I have it anyway no 100% and I think that that's where you know we kind of started off having our conversation mm. you know in, in the coffee shop in that mm. I I totally agree with you that mm. it is a, a medical it, it has to be balanced it's a medical diagnosis absolutely mm. yeah my you know, I, I don't think that I would ever say I have ADHD because mm. without a diagnosis, I don't think yeah. that I'm qualified to say that. Mm -hmm. What I am qualified to say is that knowing yeah. myself inside out mm -hmm. and having a child going through a referral where yeah, yeah. quite often it is hereditary, if it was a case of that you could go and get a diagnosis very quickly and mm. easily, then I probably would go and get one. Right. Because then so, so what puts you off is the actual whole kind of like waiting and the the bad referral processes in place at the moment mm -hmm. I don't think for me at this point in time right. that it's going to benefit me or anybody else by having right. that formal okay. yes I've got it because I'm not going to get medication at the moment things yeah. like that but yeah. it would it's it's purely for 
a bit of a aha moment yeah where validation, I'm going through validation of like why you you do things differently and why yeah. you struggle in certain areas yeah okay. i'd more like to get a diagnosis if it meant that it was it would make wins referral process easier if that right. makes sense interesting yeah well thank you very much Steph. i think you've got some really valid points it's a really interesting debate um, and I think it's probably worth revisiting at some point. So thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Thank you.